This is The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. Featuring Alex McIntyre and Kyle Paulson. Now, here is your host, the runner Washington himself, Keenan Gray. Welcome to another week of The Rundown presented by The Runner Washington. Keenan Gray from The Runner Washington here joining me as always, Kyle Paulson and Alex McIntyre. Lots to talk about this week, especially with the WIA's decision to make all high school sports a four-sport season. We'll have, we have an exclusive interview with Justin Kesterson of the WIA that I interviewed this last Friday and I'll play for you guys to listen. We'll also be introducing a new game because Kyle and Alex claim to be runner junkies, and it's called Who Do They Run For? I'll explain to you everyone once we get into the game. And of course, we'll end with the two-way preview and talk about the individuals and teams to watch for. When you guys heard about the news with the WIA deciding that this was going to be a season one sport cross country, and they're moving the other fall sports to season three, what was your initial reaction? Because it was actually somewhat good news for the cross country community. I'll start with you, Alex. I was super surprised, actually. I thought one of two things was going to happen. I thought we were either going to be trying to have a season in January um, or we were going to lose the season altogether. So I, I didn't even consider starting September 7th without the other fall sports. So I don't think we're in the clear yet, but it's it's a good little glimmer of hope going into the fall and kind of have to hold on to every ounce of hope we have right now with the season. Kyle? Yeah, I was really excited to see that. I am slightly nervous. I believe I saw something where you had to be in phase three to compete. And Eastern Washington is most of our area is still in 1.5. So we're halfway there. Um, Not really, but, you know, hopefully everyone will get motivated for their athletes. And that way we can get to phase three and compete. Well, hopefully some of the, next couple of meetings that the WIA has has some more good news, but also we have to do our part as the entire state to make sure that these kids have an opportunity to be able to compete at the next, at this level of running, because if they don't, then that's going to potentially moving to season three, which is again, it's an okay thing, but at the same time, cross country should be run during the fall time. So, Justin Kesterson, in his very first year of the WIA, got a lot on his plate, uh, has been put in charge of kind of the, the table of cross country and what that's going to look like. I spoke with him on Friday night. We had a good conversation. I got some pretty good information out of him, but enough about me talking. Let's listen to the interview itself. All right, Keenan Gray here from the Runner Washington. The big headline this past week regarding high school sports was the modification of WIA sanctioned athletics into a four-sport season, with cross-country set to take place in season one alongside with slow-pitch softball, girls' swim, and an alternative version of golf and tennis. Joining me for an exclusive interview here on The Rundown to talk about the possibility of a cross-country season and the logistics that went down in their executive board meeting is WIA's own assistant executive director, Justin Kesterson. Justin, I know this has been a long couple of months for you, but kind of just give me the breakdown for you and how you're dealing with this whole pandemic. 
Yeah, Keenan, first off, thanks for having me on. And uh, it's great to be able to get out and talk to folks around the state, uh, especially about cross country is something I'm passionate about myself. Um, yeah, it's been um, it's been a wild first year in the association. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to we were able to get our fall season and our winter seasons in um, and then spring hit. And it's been a bit of a roller coaster throughout. Um, really, it's just been a lot of work and um trying to figure out how this pandemic is going to go, kind of the directions that we have to take. Obviously, there's a lot of um, adjustments with uh, the phases and how things have come out from the governor's office, um, you know, having to work with OSPI and the State Department of Health uh, on guidelines. And, and really, it's been, um, you know, I'd like to say it's kind of more throwing darts at the, at the board in the dark, really. Um, and uh, that's been the challenging piece is, you know, when you think you've got it figured out and then we're headed in one direction then something happens with the pandemic and it causes us to go back to the drawing board and, and start back over. And that's kind of been the process as we've gone. And fortunately we've been able to work through some things. Uh, we were able to make our announcement last week uh, with the fall guidelines and the fall um, and then the next three seasons after that for kind of what this 2021 calendar uh, will hopefully look like and hopefully we'll be able to keep things where they're at. Um, but uh, at least it gives us a starting block and a starting point to, to go off of. Now you made the statement, you guys made the statement that cross country is the lowest risk sport. So what went into um, that meeting you guys had on Tuesday with regards to having cross country and of course the other sports become season one? Yeah, so our uh, the sport guidelines uh, as far as where each sport ranks was really um, kind of a, a twofold process. The National Federation of High Schools, uh, which is our national association, had had come out and provided all the state associations with some guidelines of um, you know here's here's suggestions on how to roll out your sports and, and kind of this roadmap. Um, so we took the NFHS's document and used it to kind of put a plan together using the governor's safe start initiative uh, with the phases. And so we kind of melded the two uh, proposals together and then gave that to the department of health. And of course, obviously the department of health and the governor's office have to have to sign off on those things and, and work together um, on those documents. And so that's really kind of where the, the guidelines came from as far as the risk level of each sport. Um, and so cross country, obviously, with the benefit of being outdoors, um, you know, naturally in, in much smaller meets, you get a lot more distance between your runners. But in the larger meets, you can still get creative uh, in, in ways to spread things out um, and some different ideas that we're, we're still coming up with. And so that's kind of where cross country got laid into that low risk category. And then as we got our planning committees together and then ultimately um, our meeting last Tuesday uh, at the board meeting, we were, were really able to take those low risk and, and say that it's pretty feasible with the way schools rolling back to possibly at least have a, a chance of getting these uh, sports rolling in the fall and have an opportunity to play and give student athletes something to participate in this fall as they head back to school in whatever fashion that looks like. Now, now looking at the schedule you guys put together, obviously you're giving everyone except football one week to practice. But for the most part, it's looking like a regular season for cross country. I mean, you got the state meet the first week of November. Um, and you got basically two months to prepare for that. So it, it kind of looks the same as it was this last fall, but will there be any like different changes regarding the, how the season is going to work? 
Yeah, and I think the the thing to keep in mind there is that those dates are all tentative. Um, our executive board will look at those dates and really try to lock some things in here in the coming weeks. Um, but that, that's just kind of that first sketch and tentative dates that we've got laid out there. Um, and there is going to be some potential to have some flexibility around those. Um, you know, the benefit of cross country is you can run, you know, kids are used to running multiple meets in one week. And so we're able to have that flexibility, that condensed schedule would still allow for um, potentially a full schedule. But right now we've looked at um, moving the number of, of uh, allowed meets down 70%. So that would drop that from the 16 meets that are typically allowed down um, to whatever that number would come out to be. And we still have to figure a lot of that out. If that's really the number that the board wants to go with, if they want to expand it, if they want to draw back even further. Um, so those are some of the decisions that they'll still have to make. But as I said, it does allow for the, the season to kind of go forward as, as normal or as close to normal as possible. So they'll still get some meets in. The biggest question I think though is the invites and kind of what those might look like. Um, obviously each, each of those larger invitations when you start talking about Twilight, Fort Silicon, um, some of those bigger invites that I'm more familiar with over here on the west side, those, those types of meets have to really work with their counties uh, if those are even going to be feasible with the number of participants that they would normally have. I mean, we're talking about meets with hundreds and hundreds of kids on normally. Um, so those are some of the logistics that we still have to work out uh, within our cross-country planning committee. Uh, and then as a whole for the state, just of what, what this is really going to look like across the state and the different pockets of the state. This is WIA Assistant Executive Director Justin Kesterson. He joins me here on the rundown. Justin, when you talk about just the different types of invites each side of the state has, um, there's the possibility where we could just, could it possibly just divide the state in half and just have teams compete against each other on one side of the state? Is that a uh, possibility? I think as we go forward, uh, I'm going to say that everything's on the table at this point. You know, like I said, our our board still hasn't, um, there's a lot of decisions left to be made. The board hasn't um, locked into one one design over another. So there's a lot of discussions that will still have to take place. I think uh, regional concepts and and Mick and uh, our executive director, Mick Hoffman, and our board president, Greg Whitmore, alluded to that on that uh, media um, Zoom the other night that there's, you know, depending on how things go, we could look at regional concepts where uh, there might be three different uh, divisions uh, across the state of where we, instead of doing one culminating state championship, we might have regionalized championships. Um, and those are just things that are going to be dictated on how this uh, goes over the next couple of months. And, and as I said, you know, we <laughs> we go from one week thinking that this is going to look one way and then something happens and, and we've got to shift and we alter our our plans. And so it's really been a chess game with, with this pandemic. So I think that um, everything's on the table at this point. A large culminating event and smaller events could all potentially be, um, be happening uh, in one way or the other. I think that uh, when you look at league schedules and um, district events, that's something that would certainly be looked at. I mean, it, it may be a case, we don't know yet, that um, each county may just be locked into participating with their own county, right? Because the next county over, even though there's other teams in that league, might be in a phase phase four and that other county's in phase three and there's some differences there in what they're able to do. But with cross country, they have some creativity and some flexibility with how they can run those meets. So those are just those those things that we have to continue to look at. Well, I totally agree with the whole concept of keeping everybody in the county because when you look across the state, like, Spokane County, basically that's the entire greater Spokane League. There's 14, 15 teams that league compete against each other. I grew up in Whatcom County. There's 10 schools here. So it makes a perfect opportunity for people to compete against each other. 
Um, but if that's the case, how would that look and um, moving forward? Um, just as far as like cross county yeah. competition. Yeah. So I think that that's, again, that's one of those things that we have to look at uh, with the executive board as well. And, but that is one thing that our cross country planning committee has been discussing. Um, we, you know, that committee is made up of a lot of great minds in the running world, uh, coaches and, and a couple of athletic directors uh, are in there. And so that's, those are the things that we're talking about. Um, what we're going to be able to do, but that's guidance that we also have to get from the state department of health uh, they, they're going to have to let us know what we are and are not able to do when it comes to things like that. So those are just things that we, you know, the logistics that we have to continue to work through. Uh, we're in July. Um, so we'll have the whole month of August to really work through, um, the bulk of those details. And we've, we've got a lot more meetings ahead of us and, and are already scheduled. And so we'll keep, uh, we'll keep figuring the puzzle out as we go. Um, and you know, it's just been a, a lot of patience. <laughs> and so that's been uh, the big, the big lesson this year. We're all, we're all waiting for some hopeful good news. I mean, this last Tuesday was something that the cross-country community was looking forward to. And I know a lot of coaches were like, oh, great, now we might actually have a season. And kids were excited to look forward to something. Um, if you can share this information, what can we expect from this next meeting on Tuesday? And um, just talking about what those logistics will be. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing that'll um, that'll at least be discussed, and, and we outline this in our um, statement that was released that same day, which is you know the benchmarks are kind of that next step in figuring out the the actual not so much the start dates, but what are going to be the pre practice requirements, what are what are going to be the uh, the dates for postseason and working our way back. So, uh, you know, is it going to be the standard league meet, district meet, state meet, or is it going to be a, um, some sort of a hybrid model with that? I mean, so those are the details and the benchmarks of, of um, you know, we have to have this many schools eligible to run or this many counties have to be eligible to run in order for us to carry through the, the fall season. Um, and then, you know, some of the other things that I will we'll look at um, is definitely going to be, you know, what happens if we get so far into the season? Um, if, you know, hotspots start to pop up again, when do we cancel the season or when do we look at uh, canceling the season before it even starts if numbers aren't where they need to be? So those benchmarks and those numbers, I think are going to be one of the biggest uh, discussions that we'll have on Tuesday. Um, I, wouldn't commit to saying that we'll have those numbers coming out of Tuesday, but it's definitely going to be a part of the discussion. Uh, and then those will be the things that will be coming out over the next couple of weeks uh, for sure. Uh, will be the guidance with, with those of, okay, we've got to have this many because we know that, um, you know, out of the 39 county, I think there's 17 in phase three and 17 in phase two right now. Um, but the bulk of those schools are in sitting in phase two right now. Um, you know, so that's, that's where we, we need we need those phase twos to get to phase three, especially for cross country to, to happen. Um, and so we'll kind of see where this pandemic goes and, and what the what how the governor looks at the phases and, and then how his office and the Department of Health's offices um, update those counties and, and how they go forward over the next couple of weeks. So it seems like uh, you know one day we see the the numbers drop and then the next day we see them rise. And so if we can just you know, it's, it's tough. Um, if we can just get everybody to, to do their part um, and really kind of help out with it, then, you know, we should be ready to go in September and, and ready to run some races. Well, you guys definitely have a lot of time to think about and go over the next couple or months, a month, I should say. Um, but yeah, you're right. Everyone needs to be doing their part so we can have some sort of sports season for all these athletes specifically now for the class of 2021. Cause that's now who I'm 
thinking of for going forward. So Justin, I really appreciate your time coming on here and chatting about this. Um, hope the meeting goes well. Hope to hear some more good news and uh, best of luck with your guys' decisions and hope everything is great for you guys. All right, Ken. Thanks again for having me on. Appreciate yeah, it. For sure. This has been Justin Kesserson, Assistant Executive Director of WIA. He joins us here on The Rundown. That was Justin Kesserson, WIA Assistant Executive Director, joining us on The Rundown. Thanks again to him for the interview on Friday. Some decent news, I would say. Uh, not necessarily a whole lot, because they don't necessarily know what we're going to be like in the next month with this whole COVID stuff. Alex, give me your take just listening to what Justin had to say. Yeah, a few things that were surprising, a lot of things that are not so surprising, but um, I'm glad to hear that it, it's overwhelmingly optimistic for the season. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that can happen, but uh, it sounds like, um, you know, with everything kind of being on the table and being able to get creative in a sport, a sport like cross country, um, it, it was overwhelmingly optimistic and not really planning for this to not work out. So that's, that's good to hear for sure. Kyle, the big thing they were discussing about was the invite piece and how they can make it work out. I mean, do you, do you agree that there's that hybrid of making waves, um, just experimenting with all the invites this season? I think the best way to have invites this season, I was talking about having um, it regionalized. So maybe we have it so east side schools can't go to a west side invite just to kind of keep things um, condensed and schools competing against each other. And then just have at the end of the season, the state meet um, for all regions coming together like it typically is and just keep the invites local-ish in your region. Yeah, it might not be a uh, state championship in Pasco this season at Sun Willows, but we could see, like you mentioned, a regional meets are all around the state. I mean, we could have something like a Northwest championship or Eastern Washington championship or Southwest Washington, something along the lines of that. Again, we, we won't know what to expect, and hopefully this the next meeting on Tuesday we can get a better idea of what they're discussing, but I'm sure nothing, not a whole lot's going to change. Although quite a bit did change this last meeting from the very first meeting when they met back on July 7th. Again, good news. Not necessarily the news we probably wanted to hear, but it's something going in the right directions. Um, final thoughts before moving on today. One thing I thought was interesting that he talked about, and I would definitely be okay with, would be combining league district meets. So maybe you have a full district that runs together, um, and then you just score it as two separate races. So you can get a league champion and a district champion out of that. And you've got, you know, you're, you're taking away one full race, one, one full opportunity for, you know, potentially hundreds of people, including parents and coaches and everybody that that's not going to happen. So that, that seems like a good idea. I could jump on board with that and be okay with it, especially if it means we're going to work towards a state meet. Of course. And once again, thanks to Justin for the insightful news what went down in their meeting last Tuesday, I believe. Moving ahead, we have a new game for you guys today. It is called Who Do They Run For? And we got Alex versus Kyle going at it today. Now, here are the run here's the rundown, I guess. The point of the game is to guess where a certain athlete runs at their local high school right now. And the, where I got this game from, and if you ever tune into Inside the NBA on TNT, this is where it came from, where 
basically uh, Kenny the Jet Smith and Charles Barkley, they are going at it with each other to guess what a certain player plays for a certain NBA team. So that's what we're going to do today. Alex, Kyle, are you guys ready to get after this and see who's the bigger geek when it comes to knowing cross country? I don't know why I'm so nervous. I, I feel like this is, this is the big thing for me right now. I don't know. I'm kind of kind of freaking out about this. Because I'm putting the spotlight on you guys rather than me talking the entire time. Bring it on, so, Alex. <laughs> we're going to get right into it. I'm going to start off it, with it really easy for you guys. And whoever just blurts it out first, they get whatever the points. So our first athlete, Sam Geiger. Camus. Camus. I got it first. Perfect. Boom. Got it. All right. Our next one. See here. Lily Hargraves. Ellerman. Nope. It's a, I think it's a three, a school, right? Um, I'll give you one. It's a four, a school. Oh, four, a school. I was thinking three, a two. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about her. I think her name came up in our first podcast. Another, another hint. Her school won their very first state championship last year. We are not doing well, Kyle. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think who won four girls. I could tell you for three. All right. She Um, ran for Redmond or she runs Redmond. Redmond. Mustangs. Next one. Roz Slichko. Slichko. She's 3A. Um, Bellerman. I'll say it again. Actually, 4A. Oh, my gosh. 4A. Oh, man. Uh, Tahoma. <laughs> nope. Camps. Emerald Ridge. Emerald Ridge. You got to start picking east side schools. That's, that's where we're at. Well, first of all, man, I, you, got, you guys claim to be these junkies and know all about this, yet... You're the here, so. <laughs> and I've got an athletic.net open. I can make this real easy if I didn't want to cheat. But All right, here. Some of these names are I hard hope, to spell. I hope, Alex, at least you I get this one. It. Allison Peterson. Central Kitsap. Nope. No, uh, she runs for, is it Hickinson? She runs for two-way school, right? Hawkinson. 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 I said oh, it right. You got it. All right. Here's, oh, another, come on. Tough, here, here's another tough one. Kobe Dusher. I think that's another two-way school, right? B school. Oh, ooh. A B school. Uh, 2B or not 2B? Nice. He was, I believe, second place last fall. Northwest Christian. Close. It is a religion school. Mm. A city prep? Nope. Uh, of course not. It's kind of a newer school, too. But it is in the Lacey area. Liberty? Oh, uh, that's John Pope way. something. Pope John Paul the second. Pope John Paul. John Kyle Paul. got it. I believe the score is now. <laughs> is it tied? No, Kyle, I think Kyle has two. Alex, you have one. That school is literally two blocks from my house. I'm pretty embarrassed. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here, here's a really challenging one. What do you Maya, call these past ones? My <laughs> Central Kitsap. Nope. It's a beast. What? I didn't catch the name. What was it? Maya Edwards. Oh, I thought Maya you. Edwards. Um, I'm going to just start listing off all like the B school names that I know. I mean, um, there's so many. That's a thing. Is Goldendale one of them? Goldendale's a one A school, but that is incorrect. Ah. All right. Which part of the country can, or uh, state? Can <laughs> which part of the country? Washington. Eastern Washington. Oh man, I should know this then. 
specifically north of Spokane. North of Spokane. Oh, um, that's not. Is Chuila? Isn't like there one one, like nine mile or something like that? Nope, that's a one A school. She is from Kettle Falls. Oh, okay, Kettle Falls. All right, last one. This is going to dictate who wins it all. This is worth a million points. Oh man, I think we're both losers in this. (laughs) Shane Moskowitz. Central Kitsap. Central Kitsap. Kyle got it. Boom. I wanted to do a little trick question. Shane, <laughs> ran, Shane ran back in 2007. I just want to see if you guys were paying attention. Well, that was the first attempt ever at doing who do they run for. We may never I, do that again, at least in the <laughs> But I stole that from answer from Alex. Kyle, 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 you're the champion of who do they run for. So how are you feeling about that win right there? You know, Alex is a great – I want to say he's a great opponent, but, you know, it just feels great. I'm going to expect a medal or a trophy in the mail soon, right? It might be a t-shirt. There you go. There you go. I I still have a lot of the runner Washington t-shirts. So there you go. That was who do they run for first attempt at it? Not necessarily the greatest attempt, but we got a winner in Kyle Paulson who scored an attempt was made a million and two points, I guess. So that was our, that was our little fun thing we talked about. Moving on to the two-way preview finally now, just to talk some things as I know all of our listeners really enjoy listening to these previews and having arguments about them. Anyway, starting on the boys' side, just looking across the board, we're going to see a new individual champion this year. Holman's Eliasson Kabasenchi, who is the last two years, he's won that back-to-back when we graduated. Moving on to run down at University of Portland, but nothing has changed from the team perspective. Seaholm enters the decade as still the best team in 2A, winning eight consecutive state team titles. But looking at the individuals to watch for this season, I will just name off the seven that I got. Sela's Cooper Quigley, Stillicum's Sawyer Dagan, Sammamish's Hale Behan, Seaholm's Zach Munson, North Mason's Noah Hasselblad, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Columbia River's Daniel Barna, and of course, moving down from the 3A ranks, Rogers of Spokane, Daniel Lee. What do you guys think of those top seven and what to expect from those individuals this season? Yeah, it's going to be a real battle up front. Um, look at the two-way state meet from last year. The top three returning guys are Sawyer, Cooper, and Hale all within three to four seconds of each other. So it's going to be a, a real battle. And then you throw in Daniel Lee coming down from the 3A ranks. I think it's going to be anyone's game. It's going to come down to a kick or a major break and those rolling hills that they added on to this new course. I'm really excited to watch that. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about Zach Munson from Seaholm, the freshman who ran 16-17 at state last year. Um, anytime you get a, a freshman running low 16s, you, you know they're going to be pretty good. So he, he might be one of those to watch as a, as a young guy who's running fast, even though he hasn't run those top times yet. That, that could be exciting. Well, this spring, he had the privilege of going down to the Desert Dream last hurrah, Suntan Valley, Arizona, high school in Arizona, Ran 9.23 for a two-mile and 4.28 for a 1,600 back-to-back nights in at least 95-degree heat. He also did a 5K time trial on the track, which I was there to witness it, running 15.22. Wow. This kid's the real deal and is going to be, in my opinion, 
I think he's got a legit shot to win it this year. Between him and Daniel Lee, this this kid is going to be something special and could potentially – he could have done a lot more damage this season, this track season, had there been a season. So, again, big things are coming this way for Zach Munson. But Kyle, isn't that, about, isn't that about what Isaac ran for the 32, 923 as a freshman? As a freshman, yeah. He's, he's right there, you know. And that's one of the exciting things. I mean, it was terrible. We didn't have a uh, spring track season, but we're coming in with a lot of unknowns, you know, at least with track, we would typically have an idea who's been working hard in the off season and the winter and spring. And now we've got unknowns in winter, spring and summer. So it's just going to, we could just have a bunch of new faces. I'm excited to see that. Another one I'm really excited to watch for this season, and he's following in the steps of his former teammate who got second last year at the state meet in Shea Madison from SELA is Cooper Quigley. The kid's a three-sport athlete, all-around athlete. It has speed, has strength. He's a great basketball player, too, even though that's not relevant to the conversation right now. But I'm expecting some really big things out of this kid this season. I believe he's made podium appearances. Uh, this was his first year on the podium, but I mean, he got sixth at state running a PR of 1548. The kid's capable of more than running under 1530 this season. Um, who do you guys think could be able to challenge other than like Cooper Quigley for the state title ch- chance? It's a, yeah, he gonna, was in the hole. Oh, go ahead, Alex. Oh, you're good. I was just going to say, I, I think I'll stick with, with Zach Munson as my pick. I, I'm feeling optimistic about the young guy. I'm I'm going to go have to go with Daniel Lee um just with the experience and coming in from a super high uh, cross country and surprising cross country season last year I mean who would have thought Rogers would have been able to compete with North Central so they've been working hard and I think they're going to carry that momentum through and they're only going to get more confidence going from the three ranks down to the two way they're going to try and make some noise now from a team perspective like I said Going into this, Seahome is the best team, arguably, from this last decade and is going to be the best team going into the new decade this season. This, without a doubt, could be the greatest team that has ever assembled in Seahome history with the potential of having four guys placed on the podium this season. Along with Zach Munson, there's Roman Schroyer, Jake, Gar- Jake and Max Gargano twins, Ahmed Wario. Again, this is, this is a very stacked group that has five runners returning from last year's state championship team, which by the way, did not have one podium finisher and they still won the team title. That in itself is their spread. Their five man spread was incredible last season. I believe it was like 27 seconds at the state meet. I mean, of course you're going to win a state championship that way. And who cares if you need uh, any podium finishers? Well, that's a real incredible part there. I mean, we've talked about the incredible meet teams that won, won what? 10, 11 consecutive state titles. And I guarantee you they don't have a single year where they don't have a podium finisher. And you look at those North Central teams as well that won 11 straight. Every single year, they have podium finishers somewhere in the top 10. And then you got a team like Seahome who's won eight and they have did it with a year where they didn't have a single person on the podium. Are you kidding me? Like They can win this whichever the way they want to. That's just absolutely incredible. And I know for a fact Seahome's method of winning is just pack running that's all they do is they just pack run and make sure that everyone is is a tight bunch and that five-man spread is really close like i said their five-man spread was 27 seconds other teams to look for bellingham a really young team um but they're talented they're and they're looking to build upon their fourth place team finish as five runners return like Seahome, 
Bellingham's returning five minutes spread is insanely close, 39 seconds. Uh, Pat and Loveland and Will Geeson, both freshmen last season, had great years. I believe we're top 40 at the state meet. Um, but there are two runners that are ready to take the next step in their training and racing ability. And, C- and Bellingham and CM have always battled back, with the f- back and forth with each other because they're in the same district, same conference. Or that's always a conversation with that rivalry right, right there. So we're going to expect those two teams to battle back and forth. Columbia River, my third team. The Chiefins are a returning veteran group who could make some noise this season and could do big things. Daniel Barna, as I mentioned, one of our top seven, is a for sure top six finisher at state. But two guys that I think in particular that could be top 25 finishers are Andrew Douglas and Nathan Gassaway if they get their times faster, which of course that's realistically for any team. If they want to do better, they got to run faster times. With five runners returning that have run faster than 17 minutes for a 5K, Columbia River could be in the mix to contend for a state title. Again, it's a veteran group. They've been around. They got their, their first, I think a couple of them got their first experience last year at the state meet. So they know what to expect now coming into this season. And then finally wrapping up my top four, Cedra Woolley. After making school history last fall, it was the very first team ever in school history to qualify for the state meet. The, the Cubs are hungry for more this season. I think, I believe they were like a sixth place team last year at the state meet. Um, but it's going to be really challenging to replace their third place finisher and Western Washington University signing Rafe Holtz. But I think uh, sophomore Tove Schweitzer is ready to fill that void and can lead the Cubs to their first ever state team trophy. So after qualifying for the state meet in their first year, they have now the potential to get a, a team trophy in their second year going back to the state meet. Again, history could be made this season for the Cubs. Uh, your guys' thoughts on those three teams after Seahawk? I think you, you're looking at my notes, Keenan. It's like the same exact thing here. <laughs> um, yeah, Seahome is is definitely on paper the dominant team for sure and you already talked about the that really good um spread that they have with bellingham they uh their number number one was a freshman last year um and if they bring that fourth and fifth man i think are up a little bit i think they're really a, a pretty great team the different one that i had was anacortis i put them in my top four on paper they are a, a pretty decent step behind the other three uh being Seahome, columbia river and bellingham um, but again, if they move that fifth runner up a little bit, all of a sudden they've taken off you know, 30 points of a team score to state meet because there's so many, so many athletes in that you know, high 16, low 17 range. So I put in a quarter in there. And traditionally, District 1 and 2 on the west side has always been good with Seahome, Bellingham, Anacortes, and even Cedar Crest. There's, there's teams that have been to the state meet have and even gotten team trophies. Again, the, these are really quality, really good quality teams coming out of the Northwest District. Kyle? Yeah, same exact thing. Uh, I've got Cedro Woolley and Anna Cordes kind of on the same spectrum. It kind of depends on who steps up on that qualifying day, depending on how they have qualifiers with the strange year we're having. Um, I think those two are head to head are going to be battling it out. Uh, and I think Anacortes was decent team last year, but they got a lot of returners, just about every single one on their varsity. And they're going to be hungry for a potential to get on the podium and they're not going to just hand it over to such a woolly. So I'm excited to see that battle as well. It, it won't necessarily be handed easily to any of those, those bottom three teams. But right now I think Seahome is on the Island of themselves right now. I think no one is as good as them. No one is, has much depth as they do. Again, they're 
probably one of they might be one of the better teams in the entire state who knows if maybe they're a top three team in the entire state moving on to the girls side our top seven are hawkinson's allison peterson cedar crest sanja bliker ellensburg kate lorenz who was part of the team that won the very first ever state championship in school history squims riley pyatt we're gonna go into a little bit more information about her she is a sprinter in the track season and i'm just curious as to how she's got some really good endurance for being a sprinter so uh washington's mary alice mitchell the 2018 800 meter state champ for 2a or i'm uh, sorry 2019 to be exact uh port angeles lauren larson and Seaholm's evelyn buteau of those seven names which ones stand out the most to you guys uh, I gotta go with. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, Alex. No, you're good. Um, yeah, top returner from the state meet um, is going to be Allison Peterson from Hawkinson. So I think she's got to be the one to watch. Also, Kate from Ellensburg. I think um, Ellensburg girls have just a pretty rich history of of always being, you know, a, a potential podium team. Not so much this year, but they they've, they've got a good program there. So. Um, I wouldn't count out Kate from Ellensburg. Yeah, same exact thing. I'm a little biased, you know, going to Central Washington. Alex might be a bit too, but I would like to see uh, Kate step up and do something big this year for her school and score some little points to get them back on the podium. And going back to Squim's Riley Pyatt, who as a freshman placed, I believe, fifth overall in the 400 meter her freshman season, ran 58 seconds. So what I'm wondering is, is, she runs 1846 at a state meet, but she didn't, she didn't run any distance events in track and field her freshman year. So I'm just curious where this endurance piece comes from. Um, and, and like, cause again, the speed's there, but again, she's an overall pretty darn good athlete. So your thoughts on someone like Riley Pyatt, who is a sprinter in the track season, but is pretty darn good during the cross country season. I, I wasn't aware of that. That's interesting. Was she doing like 100, 200 or 400s? She was 100, 200, and 400. She only ran an 800 one time. Wow, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. got to be super hard. We had a, a girl try to do that here at Kamaikin, and, you know, it's it's hard to do. It's just it's a different mindset. It's a different sort of training to be a good sprinter and a good 5K runner. So, you know, props to her to getting that done. That's just that change of mindset to – you know, probably going from tw- less than 20 miles a week to up and up to 30 or 40 in distance running has got to be super hard to do. That's one thing I've noticed um, between smaller schools and bigger schools. You know, in high school, I went to a 2A school and now I coach at a 3A school. Um, but in the track season, you really just kind of do whatever it takes to put your team in a position to win when you're at a small school. There's not as many bodies to fill that gap. So I'm sure that she's you know, fill in a, fill in a, a position that she needed to do to be able to help her teammates to rise. And it sounds like it works out pretty good for her. I think I got to go with my, my top two runners who have been not in the spotlight, but I've been on the podium. That's Hawkinson's Allison Peterson and poor Angela's Lauren Larson. I'm excited to see that matchup in particular, because one, they're both capable of winning a state championship, but at the same time, they haven't had quite the opportunity to win a state championship because there have been better runners and I've raced them in front of them that day. Last season, Leah Holmgren of Ellensburg winning it, of course. And then, and Washougal's Amelia Poland who won it back in 2018. So this is the perfect opportunity for those two now to become one of the two A's best. 
between those two, who do you think has got a better shot at winning a state championship? Got to go with Allison Peterson there. She's the top, top returner and you know, over 12 seconds ahead of the next returner. So, you know, again, with the spring of uncertainties, not knowing what type of shape people got into before everything got canceled, it'll be a real, real fun to watch. I agree. I agree. But I'm going to have to go with Lauren Larson on this one. I've watched her race a few times, especially at hole in the wall. She's as tough as it can get. I mean, she doesn't care who she's racing up against. She's going to do her best and give it all her team perspective. Of course, Ellensburg winning the uh, school's ever first ever state championship. Everyone's going to be wanting to chase them. But my number one team coming into the new decade is Seahome. It's been three years since the Mariners have brought home the golden runner for two a school. So again, why not start off the new decade? with a state championship like they did back in 2010. Evelyn Buteau, as we mentioned already, is a tough runner and shares similar characteristics to Seahome legend and three-time 2A cross-country individual champion, Emily Pittis. Along with Buteau, Julie Gill is another young talent, making these two one of the best 2A duos in the entire state. The Mariners will once again have to compete with Bellingham, Anacortes, Cedarcrest, in that very, very gauntlet-challenging District 1 and District 2. As mentioned, Bellingham. Bellingham conti- continues to prove each season they're one of the best teams in the entire state, but haven't been able to make that jump over the second-place hump. Five years, they have placed second as a team this past decade, and four were behind crosstown rivals Seahome. You can imagine they're very upset with that and want that streak to end. With only one senior graduating from their entire program and 2A runner-up Livy Lachlan Henry. The Red Raiders will have a strong core of runners coming back this fall, led by Jillian Spilker and Isabella Anderson, and are one perfect race away from winning the school's first-ever cross-country team title. Ellensburg, the returning champions, are my third team on the list. Uh, Kate Laurent, Riley Leishman, two podium finishers that are returning this season. This will be a very young Bulldogs team with plenty of talent because they did lose three seniors from that state championship team. Holly Fromter and Alex Hall are key runners that will need to improve big time this fall if they want to give their team their team a chance to beat Bellingham and Seahome for the state title. And rounding up my top four is Anna Cordes, another team that only loses one senior from their entire program, but this could be the Seahawks' best team yet and have a, the best chance to bring home the school's first ever team trophy. Caitlin Brar is an underrated runner, just waiting to prove to everyone she is a state podium finisher. And hopefully she gets that chance this season with the hope that there is a cross-country year. Two young runners and Jessica Friedelin and Abigail Goodwin are ones to watch for in their second season of high school running and will play a very important role in Anacortes' success this season to hopefully bring home a, a trophy back to Fidalgo Island. Or it would be their first ever, I should say. Sorry. Alex, your thoughts on these top four? Yeah, the the thing I like about this 2A group of girls that's different than I think any other group is that there's not really a dominant team. I wouldn't say that there's one that is, you know, looking like on paper they're they're going to take it away. Seahome, it may be a little bit of a step ahead, um, but between, you know, Seahome, Bellingham, Ellensburg, they're all pretty pretty close to each other, um, you know, especially with a, a year that has passed now. I'm realizing I made a mistake. Is Pullman 3A now? Pullman is still 2A. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, good. Oh, Cheney went to three. A, didn't they? That's what I'm thinking. Um, I got Pullman on the list. 
um, which is which is different than than yours. But yeah, I love that Seaholm Bellingham rivalry. I really wasn't aware of the history until you brought it up. So that's that makes this a lot more fun to watch. Now that it's I know two, about- like I said, it's two teams and then battling back and forth. I mean, one team goes on to win the district championship. It seems like the opposite team goes on to win the state championship. So Bellingham has a lot of district championships, but it's Seaholm that ends up bringing their best game at the state championship meet the following week. Kyle. Uh, that sounds like the old Spokane curse. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that, but yeah, with Alex is pretty similar again, as the same as the boys. Uh, I got Seahome and Bellingham uh, competing, you know, that could be anyone's game there. And then Ellensburg and Pullman. I think if Pullman can just find a uh, fifth runner, they could be a really, really competitive right up there this year, getting a pod- on the podium. And Pullman's one of their top runner, Kylie Franklin, who was podium her freshman year, she, she didn't necessarily have a good year this, in the sophomore season. You could call it a sophomore slump, but I'm expecting her to have a bounce back season in her junior year and lead the, the Greyhounds potentially back to a state trophy because she's, she's more than capable of it as she proved, proved it her freshman year. Of those teams right there, who do you think could rise above and prove some people wrong? I think um, a real surprise could be that Pullman team. Again, if they can just get that fifth runner way up there, they could score very few points. And like Alex said earlier, there's not a big, big standout. Um, so they could surprise a lot of people if people aren't ready to go on that state course if it's in Pasco. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know, Ellensburg, I don't, I don't think is the top returner when you look at it on paper right now, but they've got a lot of momentum rolling right now. So I think that, um, if there's going to be any big surprises, you could see Ellensburg having one of their best teams they've had in a long time. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe I'll call Ellensburg the dark horse for the state championship. I'm going to have to go with Bellingham on my piece. I mean, just growing up here and knowing the tradition of the Red Raiders and I know their coach, Bill McClement has done an excellent job. I'm expecting some big things out of them. I know they're very hungry to start off this new decade, beating their crosstown rival and bringing home their very first ever state team title. Wrapping up today's show, final thoughts on what the WIA's decision go, Alex. Uh, yeah, I mean, optimism is the word. We're just gotta keep keep training, keep putting in the miles like it's gonna happen. Um, you know, Justin, I've, I've listened to him speak a couple of times at, at coaching clinics and whatnot. And he's somebody that I really, truly believe has the best interest, interest of athletes in his mind. So, um, you know, I, I believe him when he says that they're working to make sure we have a season and um, I'm glad he's in our corner for sure. Kyle, your thoughts on the two a prediction again, it's going to be, uh, personally, I really enjoy watching the two A's because I really don't know what to expect out of them. Cause it's always a battle back and forth with the individuals and teams. Yeah. Especially, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of parity between a lot of these teams besides Seahome. So, you know, just keep training hard, like Alex said, and pray for some magic and some luck on that state course and be tough and anything could happen. So really excited to see how this season works out for the two-way squad. And if they decide to go split down the middle, east and west for state championships, I hope they don't do that, if, I hope they don't do that either, but that might be the case and we'll have two state championship meet races on either side of the state. And that's going to wrap it up for us today here on the rundown. We hope you guys enjoyed episode three for more information on high school cross country and track and field here in the state of Washington, 
visit our website at www.therunnerwashington.com. For Alex McIntyre, Kyle Paulson, and myself, Keenan Gray, this has been The Rundown presented by The Runner Washington. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your day. Stay healthy and keep getting that mileage trend in. Hey there, this is Marcus Dixon, five-time state champion from White River High School and alumni of BYU. You've been listening to The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. For up-to-date information on all the high school cross-country and track and field here in Washington, visit the website at www.therunnerwa.com and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.